Whether you are a startup or an established entrepreneur, nothing communicates your company's message better than brilliant branding. With over 25 years in the business and over 250 companies named, expert Phil Davis and his team at Tungsten Branding will enlighten, brighten, and illuminate your mind so your brand will shine. Get ready to flip the switch and spark your imagination. Welcome to Brilliant Branding with hosts Phil Davis and Liz Heemstrom. Welcome to this week's edition of Brilliant Branding. I love that our intro so overpromises. You know, like, okay. yeah, we're brilliant. I mean, yes. maybe we should have said dim-witted branding. <laughs> and then they would go, that wasn't that bad. You know, it's actually... Lower expectations, yeah. right? Yeah. So, yeah. So we're going to have to super deliver. And we are going to deliver today because we have a fantastic guest that we'll be getting to here in a moment. Um, but today's show starts uh, by addressing a subject that we don't, we rarely venture into. But it's really germane because a lot of people that come to us are solopreneurs. So we're, today we're talking about personal branding. Um, so personal branding, what is it? You see it talked about a lot. It's the type of branding that applies a lot to consultants, experts, people that are subject matter experts, solopreneurs, public speakers as we have today, and all types of practitioners from the medical arts to even the dark arts. <laughs> So, in short, if you are anyone who finds themselves having that most terrible and demanding of all types of bosses themselves, <laughs> then you are on the right show today. Um, you will hear the good today, the bad, and the brilliant when it comes to all things personal branding, so bolt yourself in. So, we are fortunate today to have on our show someone who has lived multiple lives <laughs> um, when it comes to personal branding. Her name is Lori Guest, CSP which stands for Certified Public Speaker. And um, I speak in public, but I am absolutely, I'm certifiable, but I've <laughs> never been certified. So Lori is actually certified, and she is also the founder of Guest Encounters. Um, and let's give her a little bio. I love her, her write-up. If you look up fun in the dictionary, you won't find a picture of Lori, because she says that would just be weird. <laughs> Um, but if you were to ask any of the thousands of people who have been in her audience, they would use that word to describe her style and experience. She's one of only 12% of speakers that are considered certified, and she is, speaks mainly to the healthcare field and has been a successful entrepreneur for over 22 years as a professional speaker and entrepreneur. So welcome to today's show, Lori. Hey, thanks for having me, Phil. So we had a great little meetup just before uh, we got on air today, and I wish we would have taped that because we were having so much fun. And so hopefully we'll capture some of that magic, and uh, and we'll as we delve into what has been for you a very colorful career. So let's do this. Let's start from the beginning, and and let me just ask you, what mad idea prompted your crazy crazy entrepreneurial journey? Take us back. Well, I got started as a professional speaker because I was in healthcare. Um, eye surgery specifically was my area of expertise. I wasn't the surgeon, but I was the uh, technician and the marketing director behind that. And we were known for our customer service. 
and people came from miles around and said it was the best healthcare experience they'd ever had. So eventually word got out about that and other industries started calling. So we had some banks and some other corporations that said, come and tell us your secrets. And I like to talk. I'm a big talker and always liked uh, public speaking. And so my employer said, hey, would you go and share our secrets? And what I found pretty quickly is it really doesn't matter what you're selling. People are people. And there is some universal truths in customer service. And that's how I became a customer service expert. So fast forward by quite a few years, I ended up leaving the facility where I was at because they sold out to a local hospital and it wasn't a fit for me anymore. And so I hung my own shingle and and became a professional speaker. And uh, although I still speak a lot in healthcare, I speak in all kinds of industries. Wherever there's people, uh, we've got customer service things to talk about. So that's the very short version. But what I love about it is I love entrepreneurship. I love the idea, Phil, that we can invent an idea right now while we're on this conversation. And by business close, we could have it in motion if we really wanted to. I love it. Love that. Well, I'm planning. I, I hope to have an app by the time this hour is over. Totally, <laughs> we'll just we can totally we'll do just, it. We'll I've just got dial the ideas it up. flowing right now. It's just <laughs> I love creative thinking. I love yeah. the, um, you know, not having to get permission from somebody, which also means yeah. we try things and we fail. Can't be right. afraid to try things. You know, people say all the time, "You're always doing something different," and then, and, and you know, what's what's the success rate on that? You know, and I'll probably try two or three new things every year. They can be little things, or they can be large endeavors. And and I would say, you know, one is successful out of every three, but you can't get hung up on the two that that didn't turn out quite the way you thought they would. You just keep on moving. So it's a blast. Yeah. I love it. So you know, we deal primarily with entrepreneurs. So take us through. Um, for today's purposes, we really want to pick your brain because you had some wonderful things to share. Take us through that kind of evolution that you went through from from when you first started off. What what, what kind of informed your process and your thinking about how you would go out in, in public speaking and then, then how the twists and turns that, that took over the years. Kind of walk us through every iteration sure. of your brand, yeah. what it well, became and what your thinking was. I said, was. look, I'm going to hang my shingle, I had no idea what to call myself. And it just made sense to start with my name, even though I really didn't want to do that for some reason. And so I started out with Lori Geston Associates, a real creative name there. And there were no associates. I was a one-woman show. And so I, I never liked the title. It just kind of is where I started, and it was very short-term. I'd say less than a year. Um, I knew I needed to change it. And so I had been telling clients that, you know, I think I have something for almost any budget. See me like a buffet. Take as much or as little as you need. Um, in, with this information. And that type of thing made me feel like it was a restaurant or a buffet. So I ended up rebranding myself with the name Career Cafe. And my idea was is that I'm going to impact your career, whether it be with staff development or personal skills. It was very widespread in what I offered. So it was a very generic term. And along with that um, came a logo that I really liked that my designer did. And it looked like it's a uh, coffee cup and it has steam coming out of the top of it. And my whole brand was the idea that you're going to sit and get to know me over coffee, whether literally we're having coffee or if it's a virtual conversation, I'm, I'm very relatable and engaged in your business. And that was the feeling I wanted. But the problem with the branding was it sounded like a temp agency. In fact, I think there might have even been a temp staffing agency with a very similar name. Similar. So it just it didn't catch on. I kept it for a couple years, and I just knew I hadn't quite found it yet. 
so the next evolution was my favorite one. We got rid of Career Cafe, but I loved my logo. And what I, what I crack up about is I got so into my own look, not of me personally, but of my materials, that I yeah. just couldn't let that look go. And so I right. sat down with a friend, and we started dreaming up all the names that would work, and we ended up with Solutions or Brewing because I kept the brewing for the coffee cup, and I think that I bring solutions. And so I stayed there for a while and still loved it. And then two years ago, I changed it again, and believe it or not, went full circle all the way back to uh, Guest Enterprises or LoriGuest.com is the website, and playing off my last name just a little bit. And, and I think we'll talk here in a minute about divisions, and I'll get a little more into that. But my point is, my evolution was I changed my name four times, and I never hesitated because the clients who wanted me, they came with me. I just didn't get hung up on the fact of what I'm called now because especially with this type of business, I don't know that people cared that much that I changed my name. And so I just didn't get hung up on the fact, well, I used to be this. Right. Sure. Absolutely. So this is something we encounter a lot is people coming to us with legacy names or because they're subject matter experts, they developed a following and they're hesitant to kind of let go to the notoriety they've achieved. At what point do you feel you've kind of, you should just stick with your name no matter what um, versus you should maybe package it? I mean, talk to us a little bit about, and, and your fortuitous situation where you you married into a name, a, and into a brandable name. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. And And I'm not a big fan of naming a company after your name, unless it makes sense. So, you know, I worked with people before that their company might be called BBJD. And I'll be like, where'd that come from? Well, those are the initials of our children. And so it just doesn't mean anything to the buyer. And so sometimes I think we just invent these names because it means something to us. And I did get lucky. I mean, my maiden name was Danowitz, and I wasn't going to be able to do anything with that. And and I got very lucky, ran into a a man whose last name is Guest. And so how funny. I'm a guest speaker, and uh, often when people introduce me, they'll say, our guest speaker today is ha-ha-ha, Lori Guest. And, you know, I just got really lucky. I I said, too bad I didn't look for a man named Tom Skinny, right? (laughs) That's what I should have done, right? And so, um, you know, I just got lucky to play off the name. But where I went with it that I'm happy about is that to me, guest is an interchangeable word for the name customer. So well, again, yeah. because I work in healthcare, you know, they want to call their customer a patient, right? So I always say that whether you call your end user, a customer, a client, a patient, or a patron, around here we call them all guests. And then encounter became an interchangeable word for an experience. So many people, it's a noisy marketplace. A lot of people talk about customer service or the customer experience. So yeah, I got lucky. I was able to blend those two things for me. But if my last name was still Danowitz, you know, there's no traction with Dan- the Danowitz encounter. Like, that doesn't yeah. make any sense. So right. I-, I think it's an interesting conversation of when does the name work for us and when should be- we be going with something more creative? You know, we come up with this all the time. So we've had clients, and uh, we talked previous to this, I had a client named Schmidt, which would have made a whole different case. Um, for using the word encounters with it. Um, so you were fortunate, just like Tiger Woods. I don't know if that name was engineered from birth or, but, yeah. you know, here's a guy with, you know, a, a number one driver, a wood tiger. You know, um, there was, before he got into the doping scandal, there was a lot of gravity that came with Lance Armstrong. I mean, you're on uh-huh. a bike and your name is Armstrong. And yep. that turned into its own brand. 
Yeah. Right? Live strong. Live strong, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I see a lot of parallels to what these brands were able to do because there was, in essence, kind of positive connotations around. Yours is just works on so many levels. A double entendre fits the industry. Um, but what do you, so what do you say to somebody that has one of these more unwieldy names? Is there a, a point where you just say, keep plowing forward, make a name for yourself? Or do you ever see a time where it's better to drop back and create kind of um, a, a company sounding name? Yes, I think a company sounding ni- name makes sense if your name doesn't fit with what you're trying to do. And, but it has to be something that makes sense. Um, one example I always give is for uh, a few years I was doing some uh, marketing training and customer service training for people who were aspiring to be massage therapists. They were at a school for this, and their end game was going to be when they came out, they all were going to have their own businesses and hang their own shingles. And so, again, they never knew what to call themselves. And this is all the way back in the yellow page days where it, it, where yeah, it really but... mattered kind of where you fall on the yellow pages. And I remember working through an exercise with them that let's focus on getting away from your name and getting more into what do you love? What, what, what is a symbol for you personally? And let's use personal branding as a place to start. And people came up with delightful things. But then I had this one student that she loved, Tinkerbell, the little dragonfly lady from Disney. And she decided through this exercise I took them through, this branding exercise, she was going to name, get this, her massage therapy business was going to be called The Fairy Touch. Oh. And I said to oh. her, I think when you put that in the yellow pages, nobody's buying from you. I said, no, nobody no. is going to a massage or therapist not called the, the fairy touch. Would you agree? <laughs> not the people you want anymore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, not the people you want. Again, talk about a mixed signal of what you do. And, and I, I've never Googled her to find out if she really did this. This was many <laughs> yeah. years ago. And I'm thinking even if she didn't, I wouldn't find her today because she's probably not in business. And so we laugh at this example, but it's not that far off the mark of the decisions people make because they're hung up on what they like rather than thinking what connects with their buyer or the industry they've chosen. You know, that's interesting because we've seen this. So, you know, we'll do the same things. We'll nudge somebody maybe off a name. Then they get they kind of get religion like, oh, I should I should have a brand. But then it jumps track and it goes, like you said, I'll name it after the kids or I'll do this. Something that's referential to their own selves and it doesn't make sense to the customer yeah. we also had customers metaphors are great yeah and what what you talk about with with the coffee and the connection and sitting with people but then they actually thought maybe you had something to do with coffee or they thought you had something to do with resumes or careers we had a client that was actually helping people manage their leads you know which we commonly in the business call your pipe pipeline mm-hmm. um, and i'm sure you Laura, you hear that all the time you're managing your pipeline well, right. they created a company name and thought, well, we should create something kind of metaphorical, which is normally a good strategy. So they came up with pipeline management. And people just, for some reason, you, you've got to judge these case by case, just process that very literal. And they got calls from people wanting to order pipe. You know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, and I also think we really have to think, start with the end in mind. If I could go yeah. back in time, people often ask me, since I've been doing this, gosh, 25 years, I guess, what, what would I do different if I was starting over? And mm-hmm. I think it's really important to think about what's the end game. 
Yeah. Are you trying to build a company that you truly believe can grow into something that someone else would want to buy from you? And tagging right. my name on it puts me in a position where it's not as desirable as maybe a different name. And, and I think the problem people have is that everybody has a dream of being big. So in my right. industry, the next Tony Robbins, the next Zig Ziglar, the next, you know, Mel Robbins, you know, who are, pick the name, you know, who, but there's very few people, it's like very few make it to the Super Bowl in comparison to the population, very few make it to a Tony Robbins level. And so I encourage entrepreneurs to think big, but be realistic. And I have never believed that I would build something that somebody wants to come buy from me. And so I didn't get hung up on this. I just did divisions that made sense to me for earning a living today. And then I'll kind of cross that bridge in another 10 to 15 years when I'm looking to begin an exit strategy. But that's not true for all people. Certainly you've worked with people that saw a big picture and knew they were going to sell at some stage and, and needed to brand themselves accordingly. Right, right. So there are times what I hear, and, and this is not a black and white thing, is that there are times where if realistically you say, I have an expertise, people do know me, I'm in a niche, they understand what it is, that you can just build on your name. If your name is, is easy to see, say, spell, pronounce, people know you, then maybe it gets into the secondary issues of what's a good logo, what's a good tagline, how to position yourself in the market, not so much whether you're using your name or not. Am I understanding correctly? Yes, absolutely, especially in the niche group that you teed us up with when you started this. People who are, you know, speakers, authors, trainers, you know, more of the, I'm not saying they're a one-person shop. I know many speakers that have a whole slew of people working for them, but it's not a bricks-and-mortar place. You know, sometimes bricks-and-mortar, we start out selling one thing, and then you start adding to your inventory, and you locked yourself in too early on because you didn't have the end game in mind. Right, right. And that, that's and so a, and I that's do a think great... there's a difference with entrepreneurs who maybe don't have a brick and mortar. There is a different mindset to how we personally brand ourselves. Here's another good example. I've got several colleagues that really get hung up on what they wear. So one always wears high-heeled red shoes, and part of her logo is this red shoe. And the thing is, she is locked into that forever. So if I wanted to buy her business somewhere down the road, that would be a disadvantage to me because I'm about as opposite from that as you can get. The okay. high-heeled red shoe gal, not my thing. Not your and thing. So well, we'll talk I, about I this on the other side. We're going to take a quick break here, Lori, but really I, I love the one-trick pony uh, angle. And, and we'll talk about how you can get caught kind of in those, those kind of hook traps. So you've mm-hmm. been listening to Brilliant Branding. We'll be back in a few seconds, and we'll pick right up here with Lori Guest. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Your brand is your story, and getting your story straight is the most critical and challenging component of your brand identity. That's where we come in. We're Tungsten, and we're naturally wired for brilliance. We'll help create, clarify, and communicate your brand message in ways that will make you shine. 
Whether you're a startup, entrepreneur, consultant, or an established business, we'll use our tools and talents to build and brighten your company identity. Why struggle with domain searches, trademark issues, and endless brainstorming when the Tungsten team can create a clear and compelling brand name that strengthens your image? Having named over 250 regional, national, and international companies, products, and services, Tungsten has a trusted track record for successful brand creation and implementation. Our proven process will focus your brand and put you center stage. Visit us at tungstenbranding.com for your free quote. That's tungstenbranding.com. Are you a business leader or executive that wants to achieve more? Not just in it for profit, but to do work you find meaningful that adds more value to more people in more ways. Listen for the Business Elevation Show with host Chris Cooper. You'll hear from successful achievers from around the world with the passion and experience to offer invaluable guidance. The Business Elevation Show can be heard live on Fridays at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time, usually 4 p.m. U.K., on the Voice America Business Channel. Be more. Achieve more. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Brilliant Branding. To reach our show today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to info at tungstenbranding.com. Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back to Brilliant Branding. We're talking this week with Lori Guest, certified public speaker and, I guess, entrepreneur extraordinaire. Yes. Um, yeah. is is the case with so many people who have kind of had to kind of live by their wits. She's had to kind of invent and reinvent herself throughout her career. We thought she'd be wonderful to have on our show today as somebody who has lived it, both doing the personal branding as herself, creating company names, seeing how they work, how they don't work. And it might be a case of sometimes it's the right idea but the wrong execution. And I think a couple of the things, Lori, that you shared are great examples. When you said solutions are brewing, Talk to us a little bit about that. That intrigues me because you talk about how since you've gone away from that, you you miss, you long for the days of that theme, um, but yet it, it kind of clouded it and it was a little misleading. Yes, I do. I, and what I miss, I don't think anybody else in the world misses. And that's the thing that I really needed to come to terms with because my buyer didn't care. My perfect buyer is somebody who wants a smart woman who can handle a big stage. And it doesn't even have to be the woman factor, but a a, a smart speaker who can do, let's say, a a 2,000-person audience. But when you Mm -hmm. went to my old website, Solutions Are Brewing, again, does not deliver that message to you. It says more one-on-one or one-on-a-few. It says coaching and training, and and I wasn't even a coach. So here I built this brand that means warm, friendly, and connected, and we all know that one-on-2,000 is not that. So the image that I created didn't match. And so what I ended up doing was my my favorite keynote is still Life in the Espresso Lane, and they will brand the 
theme of the meeting around me and the coffee, but that isn't what they're buying. So it really right. became easier for me when I started saying, I've got a style of speaking and a keynote that matches this, but if you want me in front of 2,000 people, then this is the direction we're going. And so it became more about the individual buy than it did about the entire brand of the company. Oh, absolutely. And I've, I've gotten over it. I've, I've moved past it. But again, like we talked about earlier, I'm still in the position where if you wanted to buy me out today, my current business name is Guest Enterprises. That's our corporate name. And if you go to my website, it says LoriGuest.com. You don't have that, that would not, you wouldn't be interested in buying that from me. But my other division, Guest Encounters, it does have traction behind it as it relates to customer service, and that's a universal term. You could buy that today, Phil, and, and yeah. be working in it by the end of business day, and we wouldn't have to mess with the name at all. You wouldn't even know. You know, we have a very similar one in that Eden. Remember the Eden project mm-hmm. we did? Yeah. It was a syrup, and Eden, you wouldn't know that that was actually, it just seems like that was artfully chosen, right? Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. what would be a better image than Eden for this delicious syrup? But it was actually the owner's name. Yep. So it, with guest encounters in your example, you could seamlessly sell that off to somebody. They could inherit it. You know, it's the whole Oz behind the curtain thing. No one needs to know. And there it goes. So there's, a, I guess, it comes back down again to brand strategy. And yeah. what you said, Lori, about taking a look and saying, what is my exit strategy? What I find with a lot of entrepreneurs is they just don't think about it. Yep. They're just thinking about next year and can I grow my revenue? Um, can I grow my bottom line? And then one day they wake up. You know, you see this with blue collar. They wake up and you know the guy who kicks carpet for a living doesn't have knees anymore. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. yeah. And they've built their business and their whole clientele on their name, mm-hmm. and they can't they can't sell their beat up truck and their their kicker. To somebody, they need to sell a business. Mm-hmm. So I think it comes back to what you said, Lori, about what what are your personal goals? Is this to create a great living, or is it to create a brand? And that's very differentiated. Um, I think an interesting one is when you talked about you know peeling off these layers. You talked about the coffee thing. Have you ever given thought to packaging that as kind of a sub brand, much the way uh, Chicken Soup for the Soul kind of took off? I did consider that, and then I started getting really mixed up in my head of what am I really trying to deliver, because um, just because I can do a bunch of different things doesn't mean that I should, and especially being a one-woman organization, a one-person organization, I better make a decision and and, and put my eggs in one basket rather than Mm -hmm. several, and so I made the decision that the customer experience or the guest encounter in my case was where I wanted to put that energy. And and so a choice was made. But if I had decided that my end game was to have a very large firm, let's say 10, 20 people working for me, then I would have gotten very excited about different divisions doing different things. And so I had to make right. an early choice. How big did I want to get? And I think right. that is where the rub is. If we were really going to peel this back to one big question that people have to ask is, do you have a product to sell that can get big enough to feed this many people? I mean, in terms mm-hmm. of employees. And if so, does your brand match? And I just meet a lot of people that they don't have something that's big enough to feed that kind of staff. And so right. they really need to think that through. These things go hand in hand. So if you don't have something big enough and you go, oh, you know, I'm just not going to do that, I'm not... Not everybody makes it to the major leagues, and there's no shame in that. 
Um, right. So let's just say I'm going to make a really decent income. I think I'm going to do really well. I've got this this niche figured out. What do you, what are your thoughts? Do you still see value in creating um, a name? I gave you the example of we created Green Peg for this consultant about advancing customer service. And he mm-hmm. lived with that kind of identity of Green Peg because his name wasn't as gifted as yours. Um, <laughs> he, d- he didn't have the advantage of, of having guest as a name. And right. again, it was more the Schmidt kind of name. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it was, and then it's undifferentiated from all the other Schmidts in the world. Yeah. So for mm-hmm. him, Green Peg helped him um, create some identity. Probably lost a little bit in terms of his own personal recognition. Yeah. People weren't clamoring for his name. He probably lost some personal, but his company was hired more. So there's kind of some give and take there. Um, there really is. And I think the big thing is, is that if you're going to decide that you're branded on a theme, well, let's take you, for example, you branded on a theme, so to speak, then you better make sure that the marketplace understands why you're called this. Um, mm-hmm. I just think it's interesting how I found you in the first place. So, you know, I think it was maybe two years ago, I wanted to interview somebody for a project that I was working on who understood branding and could talk about how we take packaging, how we can brand products, not maybe change the name of our company, but get really creative with our products. So, and I didn't know anybody specifically that would fit that bill. So what do I do, right? Jump on Google. And I type in a branding and naming expert United States. That's all I typed in, and you came up number one. And I see Tungsten, like, I wonder what that means. That must be his name. That's the first thing I was thinking. Yeah. And when I click on your website, of course, you're, you're brilliant at this. You clearly explain why your company is called what it is. And I felt a connection to that. I love the whole little, it's spelled out perfectly. I get it. And quite honestly, it becomes irrelevant to me at that point, what your company is called. I found your name. I sent an email to you. We connected. I interviewed you. Your article was perfect. Like the domino effect happened. So today I can recommend you without hesitation at being really good at what you do, and it had nothing to do with what your company was called. Again, I could buy you today if we wanted to make a deal, and I could become Tungsten Branding tomorrow, and it would be seamless. The world would not know the difference. Your customers would have to be transitioned over to me and my team, but we could do it as opposed to it be called, you know, the the Phil Davis company. Right, right, right. Yeah. And so my point in saying all that is that the the green peg guy, I, I think it's a very clever branding, but if I go to visit, I need to understand why is it called that. And I only need to understand that once, and then, again, I don't think it matters. Um, you know, you think of some of the well-known companies. Why are they called what they're called? And we always right. come back to the big ones. Nike. Why is it called Nike? Well, I don't know. I just know it means shoes now. It means great tennis shoes. And right. we have to take it's, that it's same thing and put it into a small-time meaning. entrepreneur business. Again, being a one-person show, I don't know how much it matters what my thing is called, but I better make sure that I can explain it and that it fits with what I'm trying to sell. You know, it's interesting you say that because you'd think we would be the biggest believers in the name is everything. But, you know, I had a driver's training instructor years ago, and they said, you know what the sign is that you're an excellent driver? And we all went, like, what? You know? Mm-hmm. And uh, he says, when no one notices that you drove. And <laughs> I really yeah. believe that when it comes to naming, it, the name should not interfere with the natural progression right. of an introduction. Mm-hmm. It should be intuitive. It should make sense. It should be, oh, okay, uh-huh, I get it, mm-hmm. and move on. Sometimes, Lori, you know, we were talking about this before the show, 
it's not a matter. You're not going to get a. We tell people all the time, don't try to get a hole in one name because they, they, they mm-hmm. happen once in a lifetime. A lot of golfers will never hit one. And if you stood mm-hmm. at the tee and said, I'm never going to advance my business until I hit a hole in one. And this is what we get sometimes in client situations. I'm waiting for the perfect name. We say, can you create a name that's close enough to the hole that you can one putt it? Mm-hmm. Um, so for you, I could see that with, with guest encounters. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're right there. What is guest encounters? You've got probably a two-sentence explanation, and you're, and you're there. Uh, we named a company Park Place. What is that? The ultimate garage space. Um, oh, oh, I get good. it. You guys do garages. So, See, and I you know, think us, that, and you may disagree, yeah. but I think concise taglines are as impactful as the name they pick. Yeah. 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 They, I, I've seen where the tagline really, well, Nike, again, you know, yeah. just do it, yeah. is almost as popular or, or more well-known. Yeah. Uh, and, their, and their mark, I mean, all the way around, that's the trifecta, their name, their mark, and their, mm-hmm. their tagline. Right. But if we pull each uh, one of those apart, they are such, um, I guess, uh, lucky because the name doesn't mean anything. Just do it doesn't mean anything about shoes. And their mark doesn't mean anything. They didn't even make something that looks like a shoe. And and so they're a perfect example of does it matter? They built a brand around what they created, and then they had the goods to back it up. Right. And I think that's that's a big piece to this. So talk about the goods to back it up. So let's just say, you know, if it's not necessarily you've got to find the perfect name, what is it that, that you feel as, as a speaker, what your notoriety, people say, I want you. What is it that you have to perform like to develop this? There's probably 100 other people that would want to take your slot. So mm-hmm. how do you build your brand in terms of you're using your name? How do you differentiate? Is it in the look? Is it in the website design? Is it in how you uh, have a formatted selection of um, sets that, that they can choose from? Give us your, your magic sauce. Well, for me personally, the magic thought is I'm the exact same person off stage that I am on. So on stage, of course, it's a little bit bigger performance or it's a little funnier, it's a little more planned out, but I am the exact same person. So my whole thing is I'm a Midwest farmer's daughter with a slightly sarcastic sense of humor and quick wit, and so I'm going to make your brain think and your pens move. That's my whole general pitch that I'm going to give, and from the moment we get on the phone together, uh, if you're interested in having me speak, I'm using those skills from the very beginning. So I'm listening and I'm connecting and I'm showing you that I'm interested in your audience. You, I'm not just going through the page. And then I keep all of my promises. If you have deadlines, I'm going to meet the deadlines. And so all the way through the process, I am meeting and exceeding the expectations. Because when I get up on your platform, that's what I'm going to be teaching you how to do with your customers. And it's embarrassing to me, honorary. I just had this happen this week. There's somebody that sent me an email, a client, and it fell through the cracks on me. I was traveling. I missed it. And when I got to the booking yesterday, she said, I never heard back from you on what you needed for X, Y, and Z. And here I am, the customer service expert, right? So I just laughed off and I said, well, that's not a very good example of the guest encounter, is it? Uh, My apologies. And then I went on and and fixed what the issue was. It wasn't very small. It wasn't a big deal. But my point is, is that we need to demonstrate what we deliver. If you're the branding guy and I jump on your website and there is no branding on there, you have not done anything to position yourself in yeah. your own brand, which you're the opposite of that. You guys have clearly defined yourself inside your brand. But if you didn't, I never would have called you in the first place because mm-hmm. you're not walking your talk. 
Right. right. This is the lawnmower guy with weeds in the yard. You know, right. that, <laughs> you know, you drive by and you go, what? That must. Yeah. Talking customer service, you'd really have to live that. What I hear in that, too, Lori, is we talk about the four C's of brilliant branding, clear, concise, compelling, consistent. And what I hear in that is the consistency. So you're Lori Guest. But the thing that's building that reputation is the consistency of your methodology, your delivery system, your personality, yeah. and what people start to buy, and this is why people buy McDonald's. Right. It's it's known, you right. know. Right. This Fred's Super Burger across the right. street sounds like it's a big deal, but right. I, I am a little fear and trepidation there. I know Lori. Right. I've heard her. She's done repeated things. Um, she's got a repeat clientele list. I'm yep. going to buy that. Right. So a lot of branding seems to be that. So have you found that to be true in other areas of your branding where you've built a certain kind of expectation that gets clients to call you back? I do, and I, and I build expectation from the very beginning, whether it's to plant an idea that there's more we can be doing, whether it's the, a certain interaction with the audience, but the key really is to listen. And, I mean, you know this because you're in sales, but boomerang language is critical. And so if a client's talking to me and they say, hey, at this event, we really want people to get jazzed up and and feel like they're on fire. I don't know, some weird words like that. When I go to pitch the talk back to them, I will change part of the description so that it'll say, if you're ready to get jazzed up and leave feeling on fire, then this is the session for you. Now, I'm not going to promise what I can't deliver. Right. But if I know I can deliver it, then I'm going to use their own words. And I'll tell you, they call back and they go, oh my gosh, you're exactly what we're looking for. Well, yeah. I know because you just told me. And so right. it, becomes yeah. the, it becomes the listening and responding. And when I see people in my industry not do very well, it's when there is a disconnect from what they say they're going to do and what they actually deliver. And isn't that yeah. true with everybody we do business with, right? If your oil place says they're going to have you done in 20 minutes and you sit there for an hour, then yeah. you don't yeah. believe their promises. It, it's pretty simple. We've got to do what we say we're going to do. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we're going to take a break here in a minute, but I, I so agree with what you're saying. I, I I tell a story that I went to the Speedy Printers. It's called Speedy. It's yeah, Speedy. Right. And needed, <laughs> because I thought I, I thought I was going to get business cards the next day, and the guy looks at me and goes, "Well, you know, this takes at least a week." <laughs> right. It's mm-hmm. just kind of like, did you did you bother to see the sign out front, um, mm-hmm. sir, sir? Yeah. Um, Sir Speedy. So we'll get uh, we'll get a little bit more in depth in this. This is fascinating. We're talking yeah. to Lori Guest, certified public speaker on a large range of subjects, and we'll give her 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 digits out here in a minute. So we'll you've been listening to Brilliant Branding, and we'll talk to you just on the other side of the break. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Your brand is your story. And getting your story straight is the most critical and challenging component of your brand identity. That's where we come in. We're Tungsten, and we're naturally wired for brilliance. We'll help create, clarify, and communicate your brand message in ways that will make you shine. 
Whether you're a startup, entrepreneur, consultant, or an established business, we'll use our tools and talents to build and brighten your company identity. Why struggle with domain searches, trademark issues, and endless brainstorming when the Tungsten team can create a clear and compelling brand name that strengthens your image? Having named over 250 regional, national, and international companies, products, and services, Tungsten has a trusted track record for successful brand creation and implementation. Our proven process will focus your brand and put you center stage. Visit us at tungstenbranding.com for your free quote. That's tungstenbranding.com. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. are listening to Brilliant Branding. To reach our show today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to info at tungstenbranding.com. Now, back to this week's program. We're back, and we're talking with Lori Guest. Over the break, we're discussing a little bit about solutions um, are brewing. And the introduction, how that was kind of awkward. Walk us through that and where you were seeing a hiccup in that, the name tag story. Give yeah, us a rundown, it, a recap. It's the strangest thing because it doesn't sound like it would be a big deal, but for me personally, it was a trip-up factor. So in my business, every time I go to work for somebody, I have to have a name tag. They're always cutting you a name tag. So they'll, they'll ask you, what's the name of your company? I'd say Solutions are Brewing. And I could tell the receiver of that information would get tripped up. And when I was introduced to people, she's from, what's the name of your company again? Solutions are Brewing. It didn't feel like a real company. It felt like it should be a song title or a book cover or something. It didn't sound like a company versus my name tag today says Guest Enterprises, Inc. Right, and when right. they introduce me, it sounds real. It is real. It's as real as solutions are brewing, but you can hear the difference even as we're talking it through. One sounds firmly cemented like you might even see a brick and mortar place to go with it, and the other feels like something different, almost right. like a title. And, right. and once I started using Guest Enterprises, Inc., I just kind of leaned more into my own corporation and feel different about it. So I'm just wondering how much of this branding thing is, in your opinion, an inside job, inside your own head, especially as an entrepreneur, um, that you've got to get out of your own way. Because then, of course, next comes the colors and the logos. And I see people get so stuck on this that they don't get yeah. to the product and the sales side of things. They're hung oh. up on whether they're going to use red or blue in that logo. Yeah. And I think, like, we've, we've had that. And I think oh. Phil will always say, and I think I've, I've come to agree with this, is that a lot of times when people are tripping through the name or the colors or anything, they're almost having this trepidation of going to market in the first place. 
of sort of majoring on minors. Majoring, yeah. And okay, now I have to test this out and now I have to actually bring it and do it. And if this, you know, is this the right color? Is this the right name? And that'll help me to, you know, be slower to market and. Yeah, they don't want to come to right. grips with what the real problems are. A lot of times people are, are facing kind of existential questions about, yeah. is my business model viable? Mm-hmm. Um, or or they're, they just sense that there's a, a real kind of flaw in how they're doing things. Mm-hmm. So they'll, they'll digress into colors and logos and they'll need a re- we get people we need a rebrand and they don't want to change their name, their tagline or their logo. Yeah, and I'm right. like, well, what are what are we rebranding? Right. They go just, and that's to me has come to mean there's something wrong in my business. Right. So a lot of times, as much as I'm a brand strategist, I help them with business strategy. Like, what is it that you're really trying to do, and how can you better communicate that? And one of the, this is why we call ourselves Tungsten. Yeah. Is I've been told that people love their names coming out of what we do, but more than the name, they love the clarity that they have as to what it is that they're really bringing to market. And Laura, you touched That's on right. this several times today about, and we always encourage clients, what, you know, it's not what is the best name for you, it's where do you want to start the conversation. So what I heard you say was, when you say guest enterprises, and you're Laura Guest, I feel like I'm talking to the boss. Mm-hmm. So right. in your specific situation, that's reaffirming, that gives you a sense of authority, that's what you're looking to do, that's who they're looking to hire. Um, but with the other name, it's kind of a phrase. Yeah. So it sounds less like a company and more like maybe a, a movement or a cause or an advocacy group. Mm-hmm. So it might be that that was cool branding, but it would be better used in another environment. We'll frequently come up with great brand names, so we'll go, oh, I've come up with the perfect name, but not for the account we're working yeah, at. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Right, That's a great the name, file, right? And them. I think if uh, people come and say, "Look, we we need to dust this off. We need a rebranding," and they're already cemented in what they're doing, I think what they're really saying is, "Our phone isn't ringing enough. Yes. We yeah. need to do something to get attention." Because are people really buying from us because of our name, um, because of our colors, because of our logo? We have to start somewhere, but they buy from us. And certainly my Encore, 75 to 80% of my business is Encore. So they either are inviting me back or they've referred me. They don't care what my logo looks like. They don't really care what my name is. But when I wanted my phone to start ringing more, I had to adjust what my image was to match the buyer I was seeking. I'm not looking for coaching clients that meet with me over coffee. I'm looking for people who want me in front of a 1,000 people or more. And that's not going to be the solutions tag. Say again, Phil, tell me what you were saying earlier, which I found so interesting, is people that don't want to change their name because they believe they have a following, but they might be fooling themselves. Their ego is getting in the way. Tell me that again. That was interesting. Well, we, we frequently hear, you know, well, I've invested so much in my personal brand. It's me. It's my name. Everyone knows me in the industry and everything. I say, okay, so what is your greatest pain point? You know, if you, you, I get we can't change your name, but obviously something's wrong. Well, I just feel like no one, we haven't scratched the surface. And I go, the surface mm-hmm. of what? And they'll say, well, the surface of our industry. Well, I thought you were well known in your industry. You just told me mm-hmm. you can't even change anything because you're so well known. But yet, and that's that fear trap that people get into of sensing that I don't want to change what's known, but I know that the unknown and the unrealized opportunities out there far, far, far outweigh what I have. And our experience has been when people go through these transitions and they brand, if done correctly, I mean, Mm -hmm. not branding with something that leads them the wrong or gives the wrong impression, but, you know, clear, concise, compelling, consistent branding that aligns with their values and they create the brand. A lot of times the greatest fear that people will forget 
who they were or lose their name or lose their original identity, those fears go away within a matter of what would you say, Liz? Sometimes weeks, if not maybe oh, yeah. two months. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They'll say like the, the clients that they were so concerned they would lose them and everything. Once mm-hmm. they pull the trigger, usually. Once they pull the trigger and if they do it confidently, yeah. people don't even ask about it. I mean, yes, how many people know that exactly. Verizon was GTE? You know, I one didn't of the most... know that. Yeah. That's right. interesting. I you mean... just move on over. Now, you also have to be really sure that if you're going to put all your eggs in a basket that you're willing to live with it long term. And yes. so if, if, if you're not going to be wanting to switch gears. So one of my favorite branding examples as a professional speaker is a friend of mine named uh, Beth Zanisas. She has a hard name to say and she has a hard name to spell. And she knew that uh, coming into this. And her um, whole deal is she teaches people about apps and how apps can change your life. And it sounds weird when you hear it because you think, well, sure, everybody knows about apps. Well, not the way Beth knows about apps. And, I mean, if there's something you want to do in your life that isn't going well, you call Beth and she's got the answer that comes through technology. And so she's always been kind of nerdy, self-described. And what did she end up doing? She branded herself as your nerdy best friend. So her logo looks like her, only with these kind of black, nerdy glasses. And when she speaks, all of her tchotchkes and everything tie in with it. She has 100% double-downed on your nerdy best friend. She will be that forever. But for her, it was the perfect brand because it's hard to say her name and it's really hard to spell it smart move on her part. And I really respect her for the choice to do that. And she owns it. I mean, she dresses nerdy on purpose. I mean, everything fits this brand. And I think she's a perfect example of what we're talking about. Well, see, what I hear in that is, you know, you know, everybody comes to us all the time. Like, I can change my name. I can't. Should I change my name? Should I go with my tagline? I love my tagline. I hate my tagline. We just look at the various components and say, what is most congruent? What aligns with you? What is the third rail that can't be touched? We had uh, the example in our town of, of the Transylvania um, County Arts Council. Is that what it was? Transylvania County Arts Council. Anyway, the acronym spelled T-Carts. And the problem was they trying to raise money, and everybody thought the Transylvania County, they were funded by the county, so they wouldn't get money given to them. And then they would uh-huh. they shortened it. This is the first thing. And then this is kind of the path, I think, that you described for yourself, Lori. You try to react and make these these changes. So they said, let's not be Transylvania County Arts Council. Let's just be tea carts. Well, then everybody thought they sold tea carts, much like your coffee story. Right. So they thought they were a tea cart store. So then they went. They finally came to me and they said, what can we do? We couldn't change the name. It was in their, all their, their stuff. So I said, well, let's create a pitch much like the example you just gave yeah. about the nerdy the nerdy uh-huh. gal. And we said, why don't we just call it Art for Life? Because they served kindergarten through retirees, and it was Art for Life as a double entendre. It's, it's art it. from you know cradle to grave, and it's art because it's enriching. And now that is the dominant feature in all their marketing. You go to the movie theater, you see their logo. It's a big red thing. It's knocked out. But you don't really see Transylvania, blah, blah, blah. And those are those things, if you have a long, long name, you can work on. I think Geico did the same thing with the gecko. Yeah, the mm-hmm. gecko gecko, and, and Aflac did it with. Our name is so dumb. Let's make it sound like a duck. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> right. So yeah. there are. What I'm hearing is real creative solutions to problematic branding, um, and there are workarounds that I've seen that have been very successful. Right. Absolutely. And and I think the biggest takeaway from our conversation too is this whole thing about what's the end game. 
You know, there's two big pieces. One is you kind of got to get the ego out of the way, and you have to be able to say, am I really building something? Is this shoe store that I'm creating really going to be something that is sellable in my future? And for entrepreneurs who are listening, it is hard to sell an intellectual property-based business. Absolutely. I'm not the only one who talks on this topic. So what would be your incentive, Phil, to buy my business from me today when if you want to be a customer service speaker, you can go and develop that in your own right? The only reason you'd want to buy me is if I have enough traction and enough product uh, and and client following that you could seamlessly step into um, guest enterprises. That would be the only reason you'd do it. So these are hard questions people should be asking themselves. Am I building something somebody's going to want to buy? And if the answer is yes, you better step back and take a look at what you're naming it really early on because you'd never buy Lori Guest and, and Associates. You, you wouldn't buy that. You probably wouldn't have bought Career Cafe or Solutions or Brewing either. But I do think when I landed on Guest Enterprises, or in this case my product of Guest Encounters, I think you would consider buying that if I built it big enough. Right, because again, that name, just like uh, it, you know, like Armstrong or these other ones, that 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 name just stands on its own. I think if you right. were to substitute the word guest, it would lose its meaning. Guest encounters actually means an encounter with a guest. Yeah. it was just so fitting yep. that and clever on your part to have worked that solution But I've thought it for out. so long. That's what I can't understand is if we were having this conversation 15 years ago, I was saying, ah, you know, Phil, I don't really want to use my last name. I don't really know why. I mean, it was very, very uh, against it for some reason, and I, and I don't know why that is. Yeah. See, if we were in a different age where I would take my wife's name and her last name was Genius, I would have, I would have gone with <laughs> Genius wow. Branding. Yeah, but I didn't. I just didn't have the good fortune that you did, and I got stuck with Davis. We started off as the Davis Agency, and people thought we were an insurance firm. Uh-huh. I mean, they would call up. You know, we're in a, this kind of non nondescript building, and it would just the sign said. So we evolved, Lori, much like you did. You know, I was an ad agency, and I was trying. I was young, and I was trying to impress people, and I put my name on the door. But that I was never going to get traction with Davis. There's just it's the fifth most common name in the United States. So we eventually wow. got into automotive advertising. Did you have a second choice to tungsten? Pardon? Do you remember? Was there something else you wanted in the running, or it was always that once you started to shift? Well, when I started to shift, we realized that, you know, I put my partner's name on the door a couple of times, and the partners came and went, and then that was a yeah. problem because we had to keep doing stationary over and over. <laughs> right. Um, and then eventually we focused on our automotive clients, and before I left the full-service business, it was, it was octane marketing. And it was, you know, it was just, we talked about being driven and revving up your RPMs and selling cars. So very, very congruent with it. So we're getting ready to wrap up here at the end. But this has been fantastic talking with you today and hearing your journey, Lori, from, you know, almost what I hear is a full circle journey. Yeah. It really is. It just took 20 years to get here. That was a slow travel around. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I'm back where I started. But a lot of times right. people come back to where they started, but they're more grounded and they realize that what they're doing, mm-hmm. they're doing with more intentionality. Yeah. You know? Figured mm-hmm. out that end game. Yeah, and figuring that out. So run us through real quick your names, your contact information. How do people reach sure. you if they, if, if they want to book you? Really, the easiest way to find me is uh, lauriguest.com, and I spell Lori, L-A-U-R-I-E. 
and then guest is G-U-E-S-T. And then if people are more interested in the customer service side, then they can go to guestencounters.com, which I think we said a thousand times in the, in the interview, yes. but it's there. And that's where they can find email, phone, and uh, all kinds of goodies. So uh, it has certainly been a pleasure talking to you guys. I really could talk about this topic all day long if anybody would listen. <laughs> it's it's a, it's a fun one. You know, we wanted to queue up, you know, be our guest, be our guest. Okay. The Disney fees were just too much for our yeah. budget. So, um, you know, I'll have Liz hum it next time you come on. That um, sounds good. But it, it's been wonderful. We enjoyed having you on. And uh, by all means, reach out to Lori if you have an event coming up. Um, she's wonderful and entertaining to hear. And she has been a wonderful guest. guest. And you've been listening to the folks here at Brilliant, Brilliant Branding. Branding. And we look forward to hearing you, hearing you, hearing ourselves talk to you. <laughs> Hopefully we'll hear from you. Reach us at info at tungstenbranding.com or visit us. And we look forward to speaking with you next week. Thank you for listening to Brilliant Branding. Please join host Phil Davis and co-host Liz Heemstra for another edition of the program next Thursday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Until then, stay brilliant.